Let's do this, brother. It's about time for a new track. I offer edicts. I offer no explanation for what I do. I expect everything to be done, and I leave it at that. So we're talking about when you're communicating with people other than me. Oh, okay. Um, I opened my eyes when I woke up, I rise. Well, hello and welcome to EM Over Easy. I'm uh, Andy Little here with Drew Cownell. Tanner's not with us this morning. Unfortunately, somebody does have to work every once in a while, so we are here writing with just the two of us. Um, kind of wanted to do a follow-up to our last episode. We talked about branding and how you can build your brand in the department. And one thing I think that we've talked about in that podcast and other podcasts is how to communicate well with others. Um, so we wanted to kind of focus a little bit more on that topic and maybe some ways that you could... Uh, some lessons you could learn or some things you could do in your own shop or, or personally or with your own group to increase your communication. So Drew, when you think about communication in the emergency department, what are some general themes you think about um, and what are some things we can do to increase our our, communica- our communicability, I guess? Is communicability? Good. Yeah, look at me. Communicability. I'm not even sure that's the word you meant to say. It's not. Okay. Uh, listen, communication is huge and a big part of communication is being able to speak the same language. And that's not, maybe that sounds funny to somebody listening and you go, well, we all speak English here. I mean, this is just America, yeah. right? Like we speak American here. Yeah. Well, but that doesn't mean that we're speaking the same language. And that doesn't mean when I say something, you understand what I'm saying. Or when you tell me something, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so the whole idea is we get annoyed when we go to these classes that, you know, ACLS and PALS and all that because you know, they become redundant and, and we don't necessarily think they apply to, to us and as emergency medicine physicians since we're, you know, we're, the, we're those different guys that do things differently. But one thing that they talk about a lot that's huge is closed-loop communication. And part of closed-loop communication is acknowledging that you understand what the other person is saying yes. in a way which the other person can acknowledge that you did understand it. Yes. Um, so we did something cool in our residency program last week. Um, we did a Lego lab. Um, this is something that got posted a year or so ago on Academic Life and Emergency Medicine. Uh, Google it or look at our uh, uh, doctor's uh, EM uh, Twitter feed. Yeah. Uh, you can see some pictures of it. It's awesome. So what you do is you take uh, t- Tanner, our, our missing co-host, and I went to the Lego store. We bought, uh, you know, twenty dollars for the Legos. Not that much. We picked in, on the the mix and match pieces wall, um, and we had doubles of everything. Yeah. So we built all these different model lo- Legos. We put them together just randomly. Yes. In random fashion. And, and random you, is the the word for how it was put together. Random yeah. fashion. Yeah. Um, and then. With that, you get a Ziploc baggie full of the exact same pieces, and the, mo- the the lab's are really cool. You know, one person has the finished product in their hand, and sitting back to back to the person that has the completely unbuilt Lego pieces, so you can't see what the other person is doing. You then have to communicate how to build that same piece, yeah. and it's amazing because when we talk about you have to be talking the same language, this is the perfect example of that yes. when every group started doing this. They didn't talk about orientation. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, up what, what was up to one person was down to the other. What was left was right and all that. And then eventually, once the groups figured out this is how we communicate and that you would say, okay, this piece goes here and the next person would goes, okay, I put this piece and they would re-describe the situation, all of a sudden these pieces flew together. But the groups that didn't figure out how to communicate and understand the language they were speaking to each other, I mean, it was a, a monkey in a football. Yeah. Um, so it... it Communication starts with understanding the language that you're talking, talking the same language. Yeah, one thing that really stood out when that lab was is that even now as an attending, you know, I'm so used to as a resident doing things. Look at me, I'm an attending. <laughs> Sorry, that's just funny. Um, 
but as a resident, you're used to doing things. You can attest this now that even as a fourth year in our I don't program, do anything now. Um, you still you still kind of do things. You still kind of take over the airway. If there's a line that needs to be done, you either make sure it gets done or, or you supervise somebody who's an attending now. There's a lot of it at the foot of the bed. Um, and last night, I can tell you about a patient that it was interesting because I was watching a second year teach a first year how to do an intubation with the glide scope. And it was nice to know that there was, despite I couldn't see the patient's throat, I couldn't see what, what even the Glidescope saw, because of the, the second year was walking them through step by step. I knew exactly where they were in the intubation. I knew exactly what was going on again because there was common language there. Right. Um, and it was and it was a, a resident that I had been helpful in teaching her how to use the Glidescope, so I knew exactly when she said, all right, you want to put the tube in a little bit more here, you want to lift the jaw here. I knew exactly what part of the intubation she was at, again, despite not being able to see what was going on. Towards an attendant, I could feel very comfortable that it was being done properly. Properly. Um, and I think one thing that also stood out about that lab was is that it was interesting to watch because I was the original watcher um, just to see how we talked about commonality, how long it took for people to get the common language. And sometimes it'd be a little too late in the game to yeah. where there was one group that they had the entire thing put together, but one piece was done wrong. And it was just because they up was they, they didn't use their orientation. And so they literally had to take the entire thing apart and start from scratch. And it took them twice as long to complete it. And that's another part of communication is... Once you've established a language and we're speaking the same language, we understand what we're saying. You said the word commonality, which yeah. I like a lot. Yeah. Then is when something isn't quite going right. Yeah. So it, things are easy when things are going well, right? You, you, yeah. We're speaking the same language. You get me, I get you. Yeah. Patients are flowing, you know. Yeah. Or in the case uh, of you and I working a shift together, there actually is no communication. But in the sense that there's a lot of communication, yeah. which is you see my note, you see my workup, you see the results coming back, and it's a simple hey, so go home, stay. You know, yeah. what did you think about this? And that's mm-hmm. it. And that's that's. Great, but when things start to escalate a little bit, things yeah. aren't going the way you want them to go. Um, one of your staff isn't doing what you want them to do. The patient's yeah. not doing well, or the Lego pieces aren't going together well. It's then can you continue that communication in a way in which somebody can take control of the situation, explain truly what they want, where the other people will respond to it. Yeah. Sometimes that is, hey guys, what's going on? I'm confused. You know, uh, talk to me about what's happening. And sometimes that truly is the take charge. Yeah. Um, there are no doubts what somebody wants communication. And you and I actually yeah. had that uh, a couple weeks ago in a in a sick patient where yeah. I was the last person in the room. Uh, you know, the guy was blue from the nipples up. Uh, he was a you know a homeboy transport, so got dropped off at the front door. Yeah. Um, wasn't breathing. And I would just got on the phone with a, a consultant talking about another patient that was maybe going to cardiology, and I come walking in the room, and I actually had a moment of, of shock. Like, I, my, my jaw, there was actually a sound of my jaw hitting the floor, which was somebody was putting EKG patches, not paddles, not, not defib patches, but truly, like, 12 patches, patches yeah. on this guy's chest, and there's nobody doing anything with the airway. Yep. And... You started your countdown. We'll talk about that in a second. And I, you know, gathered my thoughts real quick. And I, nobody, IV access wasn't really going well. There was a resident doing compressions. Nothing was really going well. That as was, opposed that was to, the... you know, staff doing compressions. And I came to the hopefully quick conclusion that we needed a reset. Yes. And so my communication in this situation was actually to yell, um, not in a obnoxious, rude, yeah, whatever way. way. And, and, and the staff now in our hospital knows if, if they hear either you or I, or Tanner for that matter, raise our voices that, uh, you know, something's going on. Like, something's this wrong. is time to stop. Yeah. And I was like, hey, stop. Everybody reset. Here's what we need. We need an airway. We need IV access. We need defib patches. I don't give a bleep about an EKG yeah. until we have a patient back yeah. because that doesn't matter. And, and it truly goes into ABCs, right? Yeah. And, and once we got focused, 
all of a sudden we had a security airway, we had two yeah. IVs going, we had DFib patches on, yeah. we had a good assessment of the patient, then we got a 12 lead EKG, yes. and it all went really well. And so in this situation, communication was taking control of the situation yeah. and saying exactly this is what yeah. I want done. Yeah. And so communication has to be that whole spectrum of um, you and I understand, we're talking the same language, yes. sometimes it's truly a conversation, teaching, learning at the same time, and then sometimes communication is very explicit instructions yes. of this is step one, two, three, four, and yes. until we get those steps done, nobody else does anything else. Yeah. And one thing that helped, I think, that situation was, is to go back to our last talk on branding, was is that you had built some, uh, you had some, I guess, you had you had deposited some money in the bank to where when that, that happened, we were like, oh, it's true, something's up. It wasn't, oh, that's the loudmouth resident who always gets angry. Right, when he's always screaming well, in the room, losing, losing his yeah. head with a sick yeah. patient. Yeah. yeah. And so it's one of those things where it definitely is easier when you have some commonality with the people you're working with, some respect from the people you're working with, to where that when you get outside your normal communication, which is typically very um, straightforward and very, you know, <clears throat> I guess uh, I'm not really sure what word I'm trying to say, but. <laughs> Which is like half the I time. I actually never know what you're trying to say. Yeah, um, but the, but the idea is, is that it was that when that happened, people were sure that okay, whatever you tells me, do I need to do, and we'll talk about if I was offended or if something went wrong later. Um, and so no, I think that another issue with commonality is is that understanding that you know there's a sign in our in one of our bathrooms that says be the RN tech doc who you want to be treated. I think that's part of communication too. Is that it's interesting to watch residents or just attendings who struggle with communication and really aren't very good communicators with staff members is they're the ones that really kind of play the, as we talked about last week, the, well, I'm the physician, I will talk down to you. It's you a know. respect issue. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, it, part of communication is respect, and you have to have the respect for the person that you're talking to and the person that is talking to you. And, and I view most communications uh, in, in the emergency department setting actually as teaching and learning opportunities. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, you know, I'm asking, I, I put an order in, but I'm asking a, a nurse or a tech or something to do something, and usually if it's not done right away, it's because there's some confusion as to why the order is yeah. what it is, or why are we doing that, or I didn't understand that, and, yeah. and then it's just a quick opportunity for, well, here's why, yeah. and now all of a sudden they understand. And the flip side is, when somebody comes and asks me a question, and they want to know about it, not being, well, because I'm the doctor and I said to do that, but you know, I here's why, let's talk about it, do you have any questions yeah. about it, and, and you establish those good levels of communication, and I, I think, both in the emergency department, in the hospital, and also in your personal life, the key to constant communication yeah. is to be receptive to communication. Yeah. You yeah. don't always want to be the person talking, telling, dictating. Yeah. You want to also be the person listening and yeah. understanding what other people are saying. Yeah. Um, because nobody wants to have a one-way... You know, what, communication is not a one-way street, yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You, you have to be... Uh, both giving and receiving yeah. to have a, a good communication relationship with whoever you're yeah. talking to. And in that vein, I think that there's really just a couple of easy things you can do um, just from watching other people. And even myself, there's been times in my life where I've struggled with communication. And I think one thing is is that when you're talking to somebody, especially when it comes to like patient care, is try to avoid the word or the phrase, you need to do. And because you don't really think that that's a negative connotation. When I hear that, it's like, okay, I got to go do something. But a lot of people take the, well, you need to go do that as, well, I'm bossing you around. Where when it, I use the phrase, we need to get this done, are you okay if you do that? Um, I'm slapping Andy's hand away from his mouth. You know, he's he's uh, podcasting etiquette here. You can't, Yeah. You don't, you don't talk with food in your mouth. You, you don't, don't put your hand over your mouth. That's right. Mike Etiquette with Drew Calno. Yeah. Hashtag Mike Etiquette. Um, but I think that that's, it, it's something that goes a long way. You know, it's something that even, you know, I, I had a patient with with a particular resident this last, since since starting, and we were both talking to the same nurse about the patient, 
and whenever I would talk to the nurse, I would say, hey, we need to get this. You think this, and I would, it was more educating, like, we need to do this, and this is why I need to do it, where the resident was, well, you need to go do this, this, and this, and let me know when it's done. And it was very more of a, just seeing the, the nurse after she talked to the resident, they would come over and be like, Am I, is there a reason why I'm doing this? Like, it was a lot more questioning. Like, they felt like they were not part of the team. They felt like they were outside of the conversation. Where when, when it was just, hey, we need to get this because, it was like, okay, that makes sense. And they were definitely more willing to go do it after the you was not used. Right. So in, in the situation of us being physicians and, and, and you know, we give orders, right? Whether it's in, through the computer or yeah. verbally or whatever, you, you need buy-in from the people who are going to perform your orders. And this goes back to, I think we've talked about in many, many podcasts where you can do whatever you want as a physician, but if you don't have your staff supporting you and doing what you're asking them to do, nothing actually gets done. So there has to be that buy-in and and that explanation and that they get what they're doing. Um, So the other component of communication, directly in the emergency department, and is very different than staff communication or physician-to-physician communication, is communicating with the patient. This is huge, right? Um, So how, how do we do physician to patient communication you talked about it a little bit yeah. with the you don't do the you have to do and I, yeah. and I think that works for patients also it's yeah. very hard to to demand them to do things yeah but give me that little insight about how you have good healthy patient communication well you know it's it's interesting because you bring that up because I, I had a I had a patient last night that I you know I initially wanted to bring into the hospital but I kind of got the vibe that they weren't going to be really down with that and they and it was somebody that I felt okay if they could get close follow-up or if they came back in 24 hours and and so when I sat down I thought to myself I really was kind of trying to stop myself how do I have this conversation with this patient um, and I really I sat down and I really started with hey I need you to kind of tell me what happened today and I really kind of have them synopsis but you use the I need oh I need not you need yeah. Ooh, I yeah. see what you did yeah. I, said, I said I need you to tell me what happened today that's like when you call your consultant. You're like, I need you. Yeah, yeah. I need your help. So, I need your expertise. And so, I and I did it. that because I wanted the patient to buy into the fact that I was trying to understand where they were coming from. And so they spent, you know, three or four minutes telling me how they thought the day went, how they thought their care in the emergency department went. And I said, okay, so now I understand where you're coming from. Let me tell you. Let me supplement that with what we found out so far. And so I kind of went through their results, and I went through their vital signs and some, some of the some of the you know different diagnostic tools and. Um, that we use to diagnose people and to really risk stratify them to come to the emergency department. And I explained to them from our point of view, like why we were concerned. And I said, you know, based off of what you've told me, this is why I'm concerned that I think we need to make a decision that's best for you. And I really focused on that the decision wasn't mine to bring them into the hospital. And I didn't feel like it was necessarily theirs to leave without the right information, but that it was our decision to make together. And after a five to seven minute conversation, they didn't want to leave. Five to seven minutes? I know. It sounds like a long time that's, for that's you. That's more than I spent in an, an entire patient encounter, not not just one trip into the room. Yeah. Sometimes well, that's true, sometimes yeah. it's not. Yeah. But it was but it was truly after a five to seven minutes of coming up with some common ground, finding commonality, and why we were both concerned, why they were concerned, what, why they came to the ER. I validated why they were concerned, and then I explained to them why I was concerned, and then we validated that together. It was simply, at the end of it, I was like, so do you want to go home? Because I understand that you want to go home, and they were like, you know, after talking to you, I understand why you want to keep me. I think I should spend the night. And that's that's the essence of shared decision yeah. making is is you had a legitimate conversation yeah. about the risks one way or the other, yeah. and why one would choose something. You know, you, do you want to yeah. go home? Do you want to stay? But, but yeah. letting the patient understand the entire situation, yeah. and and that's beautiful to be able to have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't have that with all of our patients. No. Some patients just aren't receptive. I had a similar conversation with one about a half an hour before that, and I tried the exact same tactic, and it didn't work. And so it's and, truly one of those. And, and that's okay. When communication breaks down, you identify, yeah. is there a, a spot for me to fix this breakdown, yeah. or do we just have to let this go? Because yeah. you, 
you don't want to let it go with your staff, the people that you work with all the time. But sometimes the yeah. patients, you just have to let that breakdown yeah. communication be broken down, exactly. and, and that's the end of the day. So a couple things, I, I, I love that approach. A couple things I do, because uh, I'm into like nonverbal cues, I think it's very important yeah. with communication. I try very hard to sit down <laughs> in the room with my patient. Um, and so I, you know, I grab the little stool that's in the room. I put it next to the bed. Sometimes I even put my foot up on like the railing yeah. on the bed itself, kind of get into a relaxed pose. Tell me about what's going on today. What brings you in? Now that works in the patients that aren't that sick. The ones that are yeah. sick, I'm, you know, doing my quick assessment, talking yeah. to them, uh, you know, doing that kind of thing. But it, it breaks down that barrier. Like I'm here to have a conversation with you, and, and gives the sense, yeah. although it's a lie, that I care about the patient. I, yeah. I do. I do really yeah. care. Yeah. Um, some people, are, you know, like to type. As they're interviewing the patient yeah. from an efficiency standpoint, that yeah. makes sense. I don't like it because I feel like then the computer becomes a barrier between yeah. me and the patient. Yeah. Um, and also, despite being able to quote unquote multitask, although people tell you you can't multitask, and I hear conversations going on everywhere, if I am typing, I'm not listening to what the patient's telling me. Exactly. So, so then that's a breakdown in communication between me and the patient. Yeah. So truly just sit there and have that conversation. And then to be honest with you, it, it actually allows me to stop their communication when I want because when I am when I've heard what I want to hear and they're droning on about a story I don't necessarily care about I stand up and I start doing an assessment and that's actually like a visual communication yeah. tool with the patient that okay you can keep talking and, and I'm going to keep listening but I'm also yeah. going to start doing some other yeah. things so we need to move this process along yeah. this is the emergency department after all yeah. I can't spend a half hour in the room with you yeah. you know every time they come in but those kinds of things and then you know the, the, the kind of last communication too and I find myself doing this on occasion and I really try to stop it which is don't ask a question as you're walking out the door. Like, exactly. hey, anything else we need to talk about or does that sound good to you with my hand on the door slowly pushing it yeah. open? Like, that is basically like I'm asking you a question that I don't care what your answer is because I'm exactly. leaving. You, you really want to finish that communication and, and then I weird or not I don't know I usually end it with okay and I touch him on the foot or something like that like you know nice to meet you sorry it had to be for this I'll be yeah. back in a little bit or yep I'm gonna go grab you that glass of water and you get that little bit of non physical exam human touch yeah. is kind of that last like you know I'm here for you I'm gonna do what I can to take care of you maybe it's just to make you feel better about what's going on and tell you you're fine to go home or bring it in the hospital because you're really sick but yeah. you know it's 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 breaking down those barriers just a little bit and and I find for the most part it really works yeah no, I would say the biggest thing you said there was sitting in the room. Um, it was not something that I really appreciated until I took my grandma to the doctor. Um, you know, my, my nana, she's my grandma, but I call her, she's, she goes by my nana. And we, I went and took her to her doctor about six months ago, and the doctor came in, said, how are you doing? Said, here's your here's your blood pressure, and he put you on some medicine. Stood at the door the entire time with his arms folded, um, opened the chart a couple times, and then said, well, I'm, let me listen to your lungs, listen to her lungs, and then said, well, I think everything's fine, we'll see you next next time. And as soon as he left, my Nana goes, that big jerk. And, it, and I was just like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, he didn't even have the decency to sit down and talk to me. And it's just, it's the one thing that you don't realize until you're on the other side that it really, one, irks patients, and two, it goes a long way just by literally sitting down. Because he was in the room, I, he was in the room for seven minutes. Just but he just stood there with his and arms seven folded. minutes is not a short amount of time. No, but if he had sat down, he would have he could have been there for the same seven minutes. But there definitely would have been the perception and that, the, it, that he cared. The perception is, and, and this goes back to that verbal clue, yeah. clues is you have brought yourself to the level of the patient yeah. or the level of the family when yeah. you're having that conversation. Uh, when you're standing, you are talking down to the patient. Yes. L literally, in this situation, you are yeah. talking down to the patient. Yeah. The unfortunate part of that is that is then perceived 
by the patient is yeah. you talking down to them, not yeah. just literally, but also figuratively. Yeah. Whereas if you sit down in a room and you're looking at the patient and their family or their significant others or their yeah. friends at eye level, then then you truly are bringing them into the conversation at the same level you are on. Yeah. And it, it, the ultimate example of that is you don't want to walk into a, the the consult room, the the family waiting you know room on that really sick patient or maybe the patient that passed away. Stand at the doorway, look down at everybody sitting in the room, and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, so and so passed away, yeah. or so and so is really sick going to the bathroom." Take that effort to sit down in a chair, or if the family has taken all the chairs in the room, I actually squat, yeah. and I am probably actually lower than the family at that point. Exactly, and it shows them that I'm here to stay, I'm here to talk to you, and I'm yeah. going to talk to you, not yeah. not down at, at you. you. Yeah. I'm going to talk with you, yeah. um, and so that's that's a really, to me, yeah, the essence of. The, the proper way to to give verbal or not verbal but to give physical communication yeah. uh, nonverbal communication uh, to your to your patients to your family to the yeah. patient your, people you're talking to yeah well I think we've talked about the majority of what we wanted to cover today and we're we've definitely gone long enough so I think it's important that we'll post the notes um, and the, the link for academic life and emergency medicine if you have not done the the idea series Lego communication lab we fully recommend it you can do it with your residents you can do it with medical students you can do it with your nurses it's a good fun 30 minute activity where everybody will leave feeling as if they accomplished something awesome team building awesome, awesome team communication building. Um, and I think until next time I think that's really it keep the conversations going somebody like my fire yes sing again